Hello and welcome to the Building Your Path podcast. This podcast records the stories of those who have achieved their own form of success in their respective fields. Today, we have Mr. Carl Johnson, the CEO of Global Wealth Capital Management. Please enjoy. So um, tell me about your job. Sure. My name is Carl Johnson. I'm a CEO of Global Wealth Capital Management. And what we do is we work with people of all levels to help them build wealth. And so what would be your personal definition of success? I think that uh, success is having a purpose-driven life where you think about what is it that you want to do in life? What is, the, what, is the, what is the point of what you're doing? Are you enjoying life? Are you getting the most out of it? Are you making a difference in people's lives? Um, to me, that's success. Very nice. And did you have this mentality in um, in high school? No, I did not. And so where did you uh, grow up? Because you didn't grow up in California, correct? No, I, I was born in the United States, but I was raised in Central and South America, in Guatemala and Colombia. And um, when I was a high school student, I was not a very good student. I got, um, you know, my I would get D's and then my parents would get angry at me and then I'd get A's. You know, I'd get an A, but then I'd go back to getting D's. Um, and I never really thought about, um, I did have an idea that, that when I was older, I thought I would be an entrepreneur and own a bunch of companies, um, like, um, like the guy from the Virgin Companies. Um, but, but I never really had a plan when I was in high school. And so, um, tell me about your life growing up in Central Latin America. Um, it was uh, it was a really good life. Uh, I always thought that my parents were very wealthy because my father was an executive, a high level executive for big U.S. companies, and so these companies paid for very nice lifestyles. We lived in huge homes and had cars, and so I just thought that my family was very wealthy. Uh, until I got into high school and then my parents fell on tough times financially and I realized that my parents didn't own anything. So as a result of that, I, uh, when I graduated from high school, I decided that I wanted to come back to the United States to go to college like some of my older brothers and sisters had done, but the money wasn't there. So I saved my money, you know, literally pennies at a time and bought a bus ticket. And so you said that your parents didn't own anything. Could you elaborate on what that situation was? Yeah. So, you know, we lived in nice big houses but didn't own them. The company would pay to rent these homes. And the company would pay for fancy cars. And the company would pay for us to have people, you know, staff that would clean the house and and cook for us and drive us around and, and uh, even bodyguards at some times. Uh, but my parents didn't own, they didn't own, they didn't even own a home. They didn't own a home, they didn't own cars, they had no investments. Um, they had some money in the bank, but not much other than that. And so you said you bought a bus ticket, where were you going? I bought a bus ticket just to come back to the U.S. So that, that bus ticket really took me from Guatemala and Central America to uh, basically the, co- the closest point in the United States, which was Laredo, Texas. And this was after you graduated high school, correct? Yes. 
And so you went to pursue something? Yeah, so uh, so that bus dropped me off at the border. Um, I'm an American citizen, so I, I came in with my American passport. Uh, it was a bit of culture shock because, you know, even though I always spoke English, but my, you know, I grew up in Latin America, um, and my objective was to go to college. So I then got on another bus and went up to San Antonio and looked at the university in San Antonio, Texas. And then I went from there to San Marcos and looked at that university, which back then was called Southwest Texas State. Now it's, it's part, now it's um, Texas State. And uh, then I went up to Austin and looked at the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, and of those three, I decided that that uh, Southwest Texas State in San Marcos was the best fit for me. So I came back. I had not applied to any university. I just walked into the administrative office and told them that I wanted to apply for college. And um, they had me fill out an application. They were a little bit shocked that I just showed up at their doorstep. But they had me fill out an application and make a long story short, I was accepted. Um, but I had no place to stay. School wasn't going to start for another couple of weeks. So um, they um, wanted to make sure that I had a place to live, and I, and I didn't. Um, and so they opened up a huge dorm building, like the size of an entire city block at about seven stories tall, um, just for me. <laughs> so I was, one, I was the only resident in that dorm for about two weeks. And I started school there, but I was paying out-of-state tuition, so I couldn't afford to stay there. Um, and so what I did was I moved to Arkansas, established my residency, and enrolled at University of Arkansas. And so your college application process seems very sporadic. You just seem to go wherever you got were able to get accepted and just went in, correct? You know, what it, what it was was that I didn't want to talk to my parents about going to college because I didn't I didn't want to burden them so so I, I realized that that there just wasn't any money there and so rather than me having a conversation with them about about college and it getting really awkward because because there was no money to fund it I just decided I was going to going to go to college and I didn't know the first thing about how to do that so I just uh, you know came to the US and just showed up at the doorstep of a college saying I'm here to go I don't think that's what works today. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that wouldn't work today, uh, but that's what I did. And so you're talking about going to Arkansas to mm -hmm. com complete your college. Um, what, ha what was the process for choosing a college in Arkansas? Uh, the reason I ended up in Arkansas was because at the time I had a sister who lives in southwest Missouri. And so I, I knew I couldn't stay in Texas. I couldn't go to any school in Texas because, because I had already established that I was not a resident. So I asked my sister if I could uh, come stay with her for a couple of weeks. And, and from there, I decided that I wanted to go to University of Arkansas. So what I did was I got a job in Arkansas, and I, and I rented a place, and I established residency you know, per the requirements of of the University of Arkansas at that time, and once I had established myself as a resident, then I applied and was accepted. 
Um, what was the degree that you were pursuing during this time? So, you know, at first I didn't really uh, know uh, what I wanted to do in college, but um, I was, it, it was so shocking to me that I thought my family had a lot of money, but maybe they didn't, and that, that was just puzzling to me. And so that made me interested in investments. So I became interested in investments before I had decided on a major, but then my major kind of followed pretty quickly. So when I was, uh, when I was 18 years old, shortly after I came back to the United States, um, I uh, was in a used bookstore and I saw a book and bought a book for 50 cents. Um, this book was written in the 1920s called The Richest Man in Babylon. And um, and that book really helped me understand um, how it is that people build wealth, which was not something that, that I had learned from my family. So, and, and I started uh, when I was 18 years old. I, I The book said, put at least 10% of your money to work for you and get the right experts in your life. So when I was 18, I started saving 10% of my money. And at that time I was just putting in the bank uh, but a couple of years later, when I was 20, I went to a little investment company, and um, and the gentleman there helped me invest in two stocks. And then two years later, I went to a realtor, and he helped me to buy my first rental property. And so during all this, you were still attending college for your whatever this degree was. Yeah, yeah. It it took me um, it took me seven years to get a four-year degree uh, because during that time I was uh, moving from one state to another, working, trying to establish residency, um, you know, uh, uh, working while I was going to school, investing money, trying to learn that world. Uh, and I ended up getting a dual degree. I ended up getting a degree in financial management and because I wanted to do something entrepreneurial, I got a degree, a, a dual degree in business management. And so you mentioned that you went to a stockbroker. What were mm -hmm. the things, what were maybe some advice that the stockbroker gave you? Well, it, what was really interesting, I mean, this is, this is a long time ago, so my recollection is that I went in there with maybe two or three thousand dollars, and um, and I wanted the hottest stock and so I didn't know what that was uh, or what to invest in so you know I went in there and I told them you know that I'd like to invest in in the hottest stock out there and what was interesting was that I left there um, purchasing two stocks so he, he had me buy two stocks and that and, and that was a really valuable lesson because because he did recommend a very hot stock uh, which at the time, this was when uh, PCs were relatively new and it, and it was a stock that was in the computer industry and that stock did very well. But he also um, convinced me to put only half of my money in that and the other half of my money into a blue chip company that had been around a long time and paid a really good dividend. And so th that was a really good lesson right from the beginning. And so then you took this uh, you took this money from the stock trading and you said you purchased your first rental property. Yeah, oh, no actually I kept those stocks and then I just kept saving. 
um, and um, and just different odd jobs, um, having multiple jobs, and so if I could have if 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 one job would cover my bills, I would get a second job just to be able to put that money aside, and so I kept the stocks, and in addition to them, I bought my first rental property, and this was in um, Fayetteville, Arkansas. And uh, how old were you at this time? So I was 20 years old when I bought the stocks, and I was 22 when I bought the rental property. And so then after you uh, got your uh, dual degree, as you said, from your university, uh, then what then? What happened after that? So what happened after that was that a bunch of companies came on campus and they were interviewing students. And, um, and I just, you know, went to some of these interviews because I didn't exactly know, you know, I didn't have a plan for starting a business. Uh, you know, my stocks and my real estate wasn't enough to, to survive on. And so I ended up interviewing with a, a computer company that works in the financial industry. And uh, they made me an offer, um, which was a really good salary, and I ended up working for them. So, so I really, out of college, I really just got kind of a regular job. I didn't, I didn't become an entrepreneur. Uh, but what I did was, as I worked, I invested more and more in, in both stocks and real estate. Um, and so even though I just had a pretty regular job, I mean, I worked my way up to maybe mid-level management, but, but uh, not really higher than that. And this was a big company, so really even kind of low-level management, I would say. Uh, but because of my investments, because I was spending less and less and investing more and more, it, it was easy for me to, to be in a position to retire in my 30s. So... Uh, I became a millionaire on an average income of $31,000. And um, and because I don't spend a lot of money and didn't spend that much then and still don't spend a lot of money now, uh, it was easy for me to be in a position to retire in my 30s. What, would, what was the investment plan that you were following during this time? Well, you know, I had studied financial management, um, and, and so, you know, I knew a lot of technical information on on how to analyze investments um, but also I, I think you know equally important was I had read that book which gave me some some kind of common sense approaches to how to handle money um, and on top of that uh, my mother uh, always told us to whether we're leading or following how important it is to be independent thinkers so I just took the information that I got from reading that book uh, the information that I learned in in, at, in school at the university um, and then I applied um, my own common sense and, and my own independent thought into um, analyzing where I wanted to go and, and how I was to get there uh, because I came to the conclusion that if I if I just did the things that I learned in college and the things that I learned from that book that I would have an okay retirement, but I, I probably wouldn't retire in my 30s. So, so I, I just applied some strategies to look at the world from an independent viewpoint and to look at my own situation, my own, you know, how I was spending money, 
You know, we don't really talk, we don't really teach too much about how to manage their money in, in, in the world. To, we, you know, people are taught more how to be consumers, not how to build wealth. So that's where that independent thinking of how can I live a lifestyle that is different from other people, still having lots of fun. In fact, I probably had in college, I probably had more fun than, than most people because one of the things I did was I would buy uh, boats, sailboats, ski boats, all kinds of boats and motorcycles in the winter when people just wanted to get rid of them. And then I would do some minimal work to them and I would use them and sell them in the spring. So I always had something fun. I always had a ski boat and or a, or a sailboat or a motorcycle or kayaks, canoes. I always had things to have a lot of fun, but I was using that to, to, make, to make money. And so you saved um, increasingly, correct? Yeah, I did. And one of the strategies that I did was every time I got a pay raise, um, I would take half of that and I would uh, use half of that to enjoy my life more today and then the other half went into investments so that I could build wealth for the future. So while you got the uh, pay increase, you you lived on only half of that pay increase. So the amount of money going straight into your pocket was a little bit lower, but your investments were much higher. Yeah, and so and and what I what I really did was I really focused whenever I got a pay re increase, you know, that was going to obviously increase my tax burden as well, right? But whenever I got a pay increase, what I really did was I focused on the half of that and then subtract out any taxes that were going to, you know, be charged against that. And then whatever that dollar amount was left, I tried to not increase my day-to-day -day lifestyle and instead I would say you know so instead of like buying a more expensive car or living in a more expensive place what I would do is I would set that money aside to maybe uh, take a trip to Europe or you know to just for for more fun not necessarily to increase my bills you know if you have an expensive home or an expensive car then you know all of your bills go up right but if you and I've always liked nice cars so you know I would instead of buying a brand new Mercedes-Benz I would buy a used Mercedes-Benz um, so you know that would be the same thing as buying a new much cheaper car um, and so you know I'm able to enjoy a nice lifestyle while keeping my expenses as low as possible so were you more focused on experiences rather than materialistic uh, things? Um, maybe, a li maybe a little bit, but you know, but st you know, still, I, I like nice cars. I, um, you know, I have a vacation lake home, so I, you know, I have a couple of homes. Um, you know, so you know, there are things that make us happy, um, but there's also things. There are also things that just burden us. So what I tried to do was I tried to focus on on things that would make me happy and experiences that would make me happy. And I, I think ultimately the experiences are more important. You know, when you get towards the end of your life, you're probably going to, or all of us, are, I would think, are probably more likely to think about the relationships we've had and, you know, the fun things that we did with our family or friends as opposed to the things that we had.
And so when we last left off, um, you were still in the East Coast, correct? So how did you make it over here to the West? Okay, so when I graduated from the University of Arkansas, uh, which is more in the Midwest, um, I got this uh, job with this um, financial electronic or you know computer um, science company. Uh, this is a company that did that provided computer services for financial institutions, and they assigned me to go work in San Francisco. Uh, I worked there for a year, loved it. Uh, and then my boss uh, pulled me into his office one day and he said, we need you to go to Ontario. I thought he meant Ontario, Canada, but he, but he meant Ontario, California. And so that's what brought me to Southern California, which is um, where I met my wife. And so then in Southern California, you were retired at this time, correct? Well, not at that, not at that time. Uh, that, you know, that was early on. I mean, that was only a year after um, I had, in fact, at that time, you know, I still had a negative net worth um, because I had just graduated. I had, I had been working for a year. And while, uh, you know, I also um, sold my rental, I still had the stocks, um, but, I, but I had some debt. Um, so, so at that point, I was still getting started, uh, but I came down to Southern California, and um, and I just continued to to accumulate wealth to get rid of my debt. Uh, you know, particularly my student loan debt, which was was not a terribly huge amount by today's standards, but but. By those days' standards, it was a fairly significant amount. I mean, it was—I had probably had around twenty thousand in in student loan debt. With in today's day, that would be like maybe having fifty thousand. Um, so it was a fairly significant amount. So I, I focused on paying that off, and on continuing to invest in stocks and real estate. And so it was—it was a you know I graduated when I was twenty-five years old. And I became financially independent when I was around 35 years old, about 10 years later. And so while in Ontario, California, uh, did you still pursue the rental properties or? I did, yeah. So I had sold the one, uh, but then, um, um, you know, saved up money and invested in others and just, just invested in them, you know, one at a time. Um, I didn't have any kind of clever financing or didn't have any other sources of income. I didn't have any other investors helping me. It just, you know, saving up some money, buying a house, saving up money, buying another house. And, but then when you purchase these houses, um, you would go into sometimes, as you're talking about your negative net worth, what would be maybe the difference between good debt and bad debt? Okay, so yeah, I really focused a lot on on uh, understanding how money works, and um, and so the um, there is good debt and there is bad debt, and I would say that good debt is debt that will put money in your pocket in the future, and bad debt is the opposite. Bad debt is debt that just takes money out of your pocket. Like for example, almost anything that you spend on uh, on a credit card is bad debt. Um, uh, but if you buy a rental property and you finance it, um, which, you know, I, I wasn't in a position to pay cash for a rental property, but 
Um, but if you finance it and you have renters that are covering, you know, both all the expenses for that property, you know, as well as the payment, as well as any maintenance, then in essence, the renter is buying that property for you. That's pretty good debt. Um, or if you start a business, now if you start a business, it could be good debt, it could be dead, bad debt, it just depends. Like, you know, for example, if you start some kind of a business where you um, invent some new product and you have it manufactured, and let's say you get an order to build a, a million of these, and, and it's gonna cost you a million dollars, but you don't have a million dollars to go get a loan for a million dollars, and then produce that product and sell it for two million dollars, and have a profit of a million dollars, um, you know, minus any interest that you've paid on that loan, well, that's pretty good debt. Uh, but let's say you start a service-oriented business, um, then you probably don't want to have debt because that's just going to put you further in the hole. You know, if you start a service-oriented business, you, uh, you would most likely want to get clients, not debt, and then have your clients fund it. And so, while you were investing in all these rental properties in then Ontario, um, how did you end up coming to Lockinata eventually? Um, so that was more a matter of, um, you know, my wife and I were both still working as we were building wealth and, and investing in rental properties. And, and we were living in the Ontario area, um, which is where we met. But then, then I, my job ended up uh, taking me to close to LAX and my wife ended up working for a company in Pasadena. And so we uh, would just drive around the area that our commutes were horrendous. And we happened to be driving um, on the 210 one day and um, saw the homes that were in this area and thought how nice it is that there are homes on the other side of the mountains from Burbank and Glendale and Los Angeles. Um, you know, so it just seemed like an area where the air was really clean, you know, because we were living in Ontario where the air was horrendous. And so it just seemed like a really nice area where the air was clean and it was, it was kind of rural but close to everything. And so we started looking at properties. And so then um, how did you establish your business here in Lockheed? Because you said you were retired. Yeah, so what happened was that I was still working for this company that uh, where I was working close to, Los, to LAX, um, and my wife was working, and then she got pregnant about maybe two years after we got married. She got pregnant, and, um, and uh, by then we knew that we had enough wealth to be financially independent, um, you know, at a modest lifestyle. Uh, and so she decided that she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And that made me reconsider my own situation where my job had me traveling quite a bit. So I decided I didn't want to do that. So we both left our, our jobs. And, um, and she uh, has been a stay-at-home mom ever since. My oldest daughter is 18 now, so uh, 18 years ago. Um, I was really thinking about what do I do with the rest of my life, and and so I thought about the I thought about how you know none of my friends um, were financially independent as I was, and I was I thought you know maybe this is something that I should do 
to help other people build wealth. And so I consider lots of different options because I, I wanted to do something career-wise. I didn't want to, you know, just be retired. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being retired, but I, I felt, you know, in my 30s, I was too young to do that. And so, so I decided that, that this is what I was going to do because it allows me to do something that I love doing, that I meant to do. And it allows me, you know, my office is just a few minutes away from my home. I have lots of freedom in scheduling my time. So it was, it was kind of the perfect thing for me to be able to make a difference in people's lives and still have a lot of time for my family. And for someone who's looking to get into your career, what would mm -hmm. be some suggestions? What I would suggest to somebody who's looking to get into the, the career of being a financial advisor, um, helping other people build their wealth, is um, first um, be straight on, on why it is that you want to do that. Uh, a lot of people, I, th I think, make the mistake of getting into this business for the money, and this really is a business about changing lives. Um, and, you know, the money will follow, but it's a very, very tough business to start. So you, you really have to think about what is it that I want to do and, and, and is that suited for me? Because when a person first starts out as a financial advisor, they will have no clients. So it's very, very difficult to get clients. And if you don't have clients, then you don't get paid very much. Once you establish, if you really focus on making a difference in people's lives, well then, then you'll end up getting more and more and more clients. And then at some point it becomes a, a job where you know, where you have lots of clients and you get paid a lot of money and you, and you have a lot of flexibility. Um, but, um, you know, I think you really have to look at this from the client's perspective. If you were a client, what would be the best financial advisor to have, right? And I, and I would say that the best financial advisor to have would be somebody who's really um, focused on, on uh, doing the right thing and, and helping you get to your goals. And so you're talking about the getting a client set. What would be an example of how you would obtain your clients? Well, you know, so when I came out of retirement, um, I knew a lot about investing, but I didn't know hardly anything about how to run an investment business. So um, I, what I did was I went to work for a big investment company for five years. And, um, and I learned a lot of really valuable things from that company. Um, and, every, and, you know, there's many different strategies. Um, we do things differently in, in this company. But in that company, what they taught us to do was to go door knocking, um, which actually was a pretty good way of doing it because, because you know, I had been working in data processing. And, you know, and in data processing, you're working... 18, 20 hours a day on these critical projects. And, and so, you know, a lot of people in data processing, they have their coworkers and they have their immediate family and that's it. There's not a lot of time for friends. So what I did was I, I just went out there and started knocking on doors and introducing myself to people and joined the Chamber of Commerce and, and um, you know, started attending lots of different events where I would, where I would meet people. And um, we do the same thing in the in, at Global Wealth, which is the company that I own and, and run. Um, but um, we 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 do things um, 
quite a bit differently in that this is more of a like a mentorship type of program where a financial advisor you know once you start getting your plate is getting too full then you know you, there's only so many clients you can work with in a day right then you take on a, a financial advisor to mentor and so um, so, you know, so as a person mentoring another financial advisor, part of my job is to help them get clients, uh, which isn't that difficult because I get lots of referrals. So, uh, um, so we do things a little bit differently that way. And so for maybe like um, a high school student trying to get active, as you said earlier, that if you want to pursue something, you should do it like you should do it now. Mm -hmm. And so what would be maybe a way that uh, a high school student could get involved in this? Yeah, so I think I think um, every single high school student, maybe even junior high school, uh, the earlier the better. Elementary is probably too early, but, but certainly in, um, in junior high or high school, um, you know, um, young adults are starting to identify things that are of interest to them. You know, they're starting to think about quote unquote, when I get older, I might want to do this. And so my advice to them is start doing it now. And so what does that mean? Even if you don't know, like like in the case of my oldest daughter, she became very interested in psychology. And so I told her, and she, she told me, you know, when I get older, I think I want to become a psychologist. And I said, well, start doing something now. And she said, and she said well, I don't know what to do. And I said, so then uh, just uh, uh, first of all, become aware in addition to your schoolwork read some books on psychology you know find out what's going on in the world of psychology and then look around you and see what areas are deficient uh, and so she did that and she um, and she found that that there were some areas where some kids really needed tutoring so she developed a tutoring program and then she found that a lot of kids are kind of closed off to the world around them and they don't they don't um, they're they're not so apt to share and so she started a speaking program um, at La Cañada High School called Ignite uh, and then she got involved in the challenge success program and and so you know she she just started taking action on on the thing so so regardless of what field of interest uh, whether it be finance or psychology or medicine um, you know, just start researching that and start looking around and seeing um, what opportunities are there and try, and try to seize upon the opportunities, um, whatever opportunities you find. And for maybe closing remarks, what would maybe be some um, simple advice that you could give for someone that's maybe getting into investing or real estate or anything like? Um, my advice for for everybody, whether whether they're interested in investing or, or real estate or as a career or not, is to focus on building family wealth. Um, you know, and and realize that that any you can learn anything. Okay, um, you know, I didn't have in in investing in real estate. I did not have the resources to go hire people to to do work on these properties. I had no idea how to do any of the work. I just took it one step at a time. If the property, you know, needed paint, I've learned how to paint. If it needed 
um, you know, some wood repair work, I would learn how to do that. Um, and so I think that I think everybody should really focus on building family wealth. And so learn about whether you want to pursue it as a career or not. Learn about investing in stocks. Learn about investing in real estate. Learn about investing in business and just pursue it one step at a time. Wonderful. Uh, thank you so much, Mr. Johnson, for sharing your story. Thank it's you. Truly wonderful. Well, thank you.